You are listening to the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Dalawisio. Welcome to episode 42 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast, coming to you live from the New York City studios. Joe Dalawisio here. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe double underscore D A L O I S I O. Victory Tuesday, week two officially in the books. The Packers improved to 2 0 on the season, taking care of. Of the Detroit Lions, very easily, 42-21, to 21, another 40-burger for this offense, and we'll get right into it in just a few minutes. A double victory Tuesday, if you've been following the picks, another 3-0 week, 6-0 on the season, which means you definitely have some extra Scott all in the pockets in back-to-back weeks. So stay with the picks now, get on the hype train while, while I am hot, because it's going to eventually cool down. But one thing that may not cool down, Is this Green Bay Packers offense? Man, is this offense in year number two under Matt LaFleur so much different than what we saw in year one. Two games, 85 points, 1,010 yards, nine touchdowns. The Packers joined the 91 Buffalo Bills as the only team in NFL history to register 85-plus points and 1,000-plus yards. In the first two games of the season, per the Brainiacs at the Elias Sports Bureau. Thank you very much for that. But similar to week one, the offense was clicking. And once again, there wasn't a single possession where I didn't feel as if Aaron Rodgers would lead the team down the field and score. Confidence through the roof. I said a few things in that preview podcast last week that happened in Sunday's game. Right? The potential of a 40-burger was extremely real because of the fact of how banged up the Lions' secondary was. They had Jeff Okuda out there, the third overall pick, rookie making his debut. A nice welcome to the NFL. Tough task. Not going to say the kid isn't going to be good after one game, but he had a real tough matchup despite Devontae Adams getting banged up. I also said real good potential for Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams to get it going. Oh, did they get it going? All right. You know, I'm not going to lie. I don't I don't want to to brag about what I've said so far on the uh, on the podcast. But you want to go back a couple podcasts. I thought I said we could expect a lot of injuries. Man, is that happening across the NFL? We'll dive into that a little later in the podcast with the week 2 headlines. But I've been pretty spot on. And I'm going to take a bow for that cuz I'm not usually spot on. But if you would have told me At the start of this game, when the Green Bay Packers go down, yes, yes, they went down. If you didn't watch the game, they were losing 14-3. And they would still end up going to score 40-plus points. I would have said you're full of it. I would have said you're full of it. And we'll talk about the defense because I do have my concerns there still. Let's start with the running backs. 
again, last week I mentioned how either Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams could have a really good game against this Lions defense just based off of their performance last season, both of them being able to have 100-plus yards in each of those games against the Lions last year. But Aaron Jones was unbelievable. Aaron Jones is going to get paid a ton of money. I can't take credit for this quote. Saw it on Twitter. Believe it was Aaron Nagler, big Packer guy. And he basically said, you pay, you are going to be paying Aaron Jones not as a running back, but also as a wide receiver. He showcased that ability on Sunday. 18 carries, 168 yards, two scores on the ground. Opened up the second half with a 75-yard touchdown. Kudos, Kudos to the offensive line there. Opening up that hole. Aaron Jones splits the safeties with ease. Led the wide receivers. Four receptions, 68 yards, one score. Made an unbelievable 30-yard catch. Leaping over the defender. Turning his body. Snagging the ball. Getting to the highest possible point. I don't think there's five NFL running backs that make that play. You let me know the five. Give me, send me a tweet at Joe double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. What other five running backs make a catch like the one Aaron Jones did? It was unbelievable. He played on another level. 236 total yards, new career high. Second most in Packers history. Jamal Williams. He added eight carries, 63 yards. Thought we, I, I honestly thought we would see a little bit more of A.J. Dillon just based off of what Matt LaFleur said throughout the week. But you got to ride the hot hand. You got to ride the hot hand. And the Detroit Lions had no answer. For either back. But it goes back. To Aaron Jones. And him being a free agent. Coming up very very soon. And he's not the only one that has to get paid here. But the Packers got to figure out a way. To get this man the money. He is essential. To this offense. He has the ability to make plays out of the backfield. Line them up at wide receiver. Inside. Outside. He is essential to this offense. Got to pay this guy. When you combine... The production that you get out of Aaron Jones. Now listen, Aaron Jones isn't going to play like this every single game. But when he's on, and you combine that with Aaron Rodgers, 
and they're clicking the way that they've been clicking through the first two weeks of the season, this is a tough unit to stop. And it's a fun offense to watch. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I thought he played well. Definitely wasn't unconscious like week one. Thought he missed a few easy plays, though. A few easy throws. Where him and the wide receivers, him and Aaron Jones, not on the same same page, same pace. Now, in Rodgers' defense with that, and this is the probably one of the biggest negatives that I have from this game overall, Way too many drops. The wide receivers didn't help Aaron Rodgers. At at times, Rodgers didn't help the wide receivers. I thought at times Rodgers may have been trying to get MVS killed with his sideline passes. MVS gets hit twice in the head. I don't know how he stays in that game, but that says a lot about his toughness. But the wide receivers... Had way too many drops. I think that number, the Packers ended up counting six drops. All right, two of them that stick with me. Jay Sternberger going across the middle early in the game. Turns his head before securing the ball. I watched this again before recording. Guy had 20-30 plus yards open field ahead of him. For a guy that is buried in the depth chart, for a guy that is trying to prove himself to Aaron Rodgers, to the team, he's got to make those plays. He had another drop in the game. Those little mistakes will put you on the sideline. Those little mistakes will not give you that chance. And I don't want to be too critical on Jay Sternberger. But you make that basic catch over the middle. Which again, I think you throw me out there. I'm going to catch it. I hope I catch it. Maybe a little bit nervous because Aaron Rodgers is throwing me a pass. But that's the type of play. A simple play that builds confidence. You make that play. One reception for 35 yards, let's say. You start to feel a little bit more confident in yourself. Aaron Rodgers could trust you. You need that here. And Jace knows he's got to be better. But don't be surprised if we don't see him as much on the field because of that, because of the liability that he is. He can redeem himself real quick. Next time Aaron Rodgers throws him the ball, catch it. It's that simple. You're not going to be in the doghouse forever. But you got to be able to make plays. Especially when you're called upon. Especially if you're not called upon often. Another guy who had a couple drops. And I didn't realize this until I reviewed the tape. Not that I'm a big film guy, but I did subscribe to NFL Game Pass. You can check out the condensed version, the All-22 coaches film. A lot of good stuff there. A lot of good stuff there. So these plays are fresh in my head. MVS, I believe this was the third quarter. 
Rodgers throws a quick dump off to him. Pass was low. Man coverage one-on-one. Darts it at him. Pass was low. He drops it. No problem. The ensuing play. Rodgers goes back to MVS. MVS gets around Jeff Okuda. Turns him around while he's in the end zone. Jumps for the ball. And if you notice and you watch the play, goes to drag his toes as if he was close to the back of the end zone. You watch the replay. MVS had plenty of space. A normal jump, secure, down, another seven points for the Green Bay Packers. Another score for MVS. Looked like he got lost after completely turning Akuda around. Field awareness needs to be a little bit better. End zone awareness. Easy play there. Hit your hands. Put Get your feet down. Seven points. Late in the game, MVS had a huge, huge reception downfield on the sideline. And again, he got cracked a couple times. I don't know how he stayed in that entire game, how he made it throughout that entire game. But again, you need to show some consistency here. Everyone is is very anxious when it comes to MVS. But let's not forget, there was a there was a player in his second year that also had some difficulties securing the ball. And that player right now is the Packers' best wide receiver, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams struggled early in his career. He figured it out. If MVS could figure it out, his size and speed make him a real deep threat, a real threat in this Packers offense. Speaking of the wide receiver, speaking of Devontae Adams, we didn't see a lot of Devontae on Sunday. The few times we did see him, he made sure Jeff Akuto, he welcomed Jeff Akuto to the NFL with his smooth route-running ability. But he did tweak a hamstring. He did tweak his hamstring. Matt LaFleur confirmed to the media earlier in the week that he wanted to come back into that game. He wanted to get back onto the field. But because the Packers got out to that big lead, Matt LaFleur said, hey, sit this one out. Good job by the coach there. Great job by the coach there. These guys are competitors. They want to be out on the field. The season's too short, though. Because if Devontae Adams goes back out there while the Packers are up three scores, and he makes that injury even worse, now you have your best wide receiver out for five to six weeks instead of maybe one. So encouraging news there that he felt good enough to want to be out back on the field. Smart by Matt LaFleur not letting him go back onto the field. But the most important aspect of all this, right? We can't talk about Aaron Rodgers and his success. We can't talk about the running backs and their success without giving credit to the offensive line. 
Aaron Rodgers has been clean this entire season, essentially. Got knocked down a couple times against Detroit. They sacked him once. But two weeks, only one sack. This offensive line has been great, and this was a unit that had so many question marks going into the season because of injury. This is a unit that has so much uncertainty because of a lack of, lack of depth. And honestly, they were great. Corey Lindsley, Elton Jenkins, the holes that, they were, that these two opened up all game long, specifically to start the second half for Aaron Jones to, to propel him to that 75-yard touchdown run. Unbelievable. Now, Lindsley, he ended up leaving the game with the hand injury. Believed it was a sprained thumb, according to Tom Palacero. Sprained thumb on his snapping hand. Not ideal. But should be okay moving forward. So the Packers escape some more injury news. But once he leaves the game, more shifting for that offensive line. John Runyon comes in. Guys slide over. No miscues. The fact that you, you can lose guys and slide people around and still be as effective says a lot about this unit. Says a lot about how good this offense could be if the offensive line could continue to sustain this success. You keep your quarterback healthy. You protect your quarterback. You give him time to throw the ball. Someone's going to get open. You open up holes for your running backs. Keep defenses on the field for an extended period of time. You will capitalize. That is a recipe for success. Look at some of the top contenders in the NFC right now. The Saints, despite losing week two against the Raiders. The Seahawks. What do those two teams have? Two really great quarterbacks, right? You have a strong offensive line that could keep those two guys off the field. And you're able to go down the field and put seven on the board. It's a recipe for success. That's the Super Bowl formula right there. Same thing what, what other teams are trying to do to Green Bay. They want Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. They want them off the field. Because the longer they're off the field, the more likely their team is going to win. They don't want their superstars with the ball. As long as this offensive line could stay healthy, 
could be a very successful year for the Green Bay Packers. So outside of the drops, what else was bad? Got to point out to the defense early on. I was really concerned with the way the game started for the Packers and the defense in general. And I, I think each week we may be a little worried with this unit. What bothered me the most is similar to week one against the Vikings. Right? The Vikings marched right down the field. The Lions did the same exact thing. And to me, that shows that Mike Patton didn't make many, if any, adjustments there. Now, granted, week, week two, you were without Kenny Clark. Who, by the way, Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki, I thought they played extremely well as a tandem to replace Kenny Clark. But those first two drives, when the Lions take a 14-3 lead, they, they absolutely destroyed the interior of that defense. The Lions had 135 yards, 10 first downs, 14 points, 3 for 3 on third down, and 2 for 2 in the red zone to start the game. The Packers allowed a touchdown on five straight drives. The last three in week one, the first two in week two. Longest streak since 2013. Again, no no Kenny Clark, super evident, but the replacements did well. But I look back at that 14-3 start. And a couple, the, the biggest takeaway that I have, despite them falling behind so quickly, on both drives, first drive and the second drive for the defense, both of those drives could have ended with interceptions. Drive number one, Alexander makes a phenomenal play on the ball. Aggressive, gets his hand there. Marvin Jones Jr. does an even better job sticking with the play and actually making the catch. He almost, But Alexander almost pulled that ball away. The second drive, and I didn't notice this on the second drive till I rewatched the game. Will Redmond was about a half a second behind. I believe Matt Stafford threw the ball to DeAndre Swift. Pass wasn't the best pass, a little bit behind him. Redmond was there immediately to make the play a half a second faster. He's going into the end zone. He's taking it back to the house, 100%. So yeah, the the defense gave up 14 points early. But they nearly came away with the ball twice in those first two possessions. 
I hate playing the what-if game. I hate playing it. But you got to look at those things. The narrative is a lot different if one of those drives end up, end up with an interception. With that being said, though, I think the biggest criticism that I will give that you'll hear from the media as they, as they pour out their NFL rankings, the Packers haven't been tested yet. The Packers haven't played anyone yet. Let's see what the Packers look like against the Saints, a matchup coming up next week. Let's see them go up against a real quarterback, a team with a decent defense. First two weeks, they've played opponents where the defense has, isn't good. You got to be honest with it. So let's truly see where this offense is. Let's truly see where this defense is. Is the offense as as explosive as the back-to-back 40-burgers that they've put up? Is the defense as bad as it looks? Luckily for the Packers' offense, they were able to get it going. Get on the board. Of course, the Lions shot themselves in the foot, helped out big time in several different occasions. But because of that, they had to go away from the run, throw more, and the Packers capitalized. But a couple players that still deserve some praise on that defense. Shout out to Rashad Gary. We heard about him all summer. This is a guy that I continue to talk about, I think, on every single episode since the restart of the NFL season. It showed on Sunday. One and a half sacks. His pressure play played a huge role in that Chandon Sullivan pick six, who, by the way, also played a very, very good game. Excellent job by Sullivan, reading Stafford's eyes the entire way, jumping the route, rolling into the end zone with ease. I said it in the preview, it would be nice to see Preston Smith get going, get involved. He finally got on the stat sheet. few tackles, half a sack. Encouraging. Christian Kirksey. As good as advertised. Quietly, once again, leading the pack. In tackles. Hopefully he could continue to play at the, at the level he's been playing at. Stay healthy. Because he's an impact player. He is making a difference. Again, the Lions didn't help themselves though in this game. Shot themselves in the foot way too many times. Didn't do themselves any favors. But that's what bad teams do. And good teams capitalize on those mistakes. Right? The pick six, a terrible mistake. The Packers having zero timeouts before the half. Matt Stafford takes a terrible sack, terrible penalty, stops the clock, gives Green Bay the ball. Green Bay's able to drive and score before the half. 
penalty also helping out. I believe it was a horse collar on Devontae Adams that pushed the Packers forward even more. Again, I still have concerns with this defense. Because if you play a good team with a good offense, right, let's take the Saints, and you go down 14-3 to against the Saints, digging yourself out of that hole is going to be much tougher. It will not be easy to come back against teams like that. Good teams find a way to win. And they win convincingly. And that's what the Green Bay Packers have done through two weeks. I think Sunday's matchup against the Saints will tell us a lot about the Green Bay Packers. Because if they could go and score another 40-burger, And contain Drew Brees and that potent offense. And who knows what that's going to be like. We'll talk about that matchup, of course, later in the week with the preview podcast. Hopefully get someone on from New Orleans to jump on and talk about it. Maybe Michael Thomas will be there. Maybe he won't. We saw how different that offense looked without Michael Thomas. But Alvin Kamara is a beast. Extremely talented. Drew Brees, future Hall of Famer. And that defense isn't that bad. But we will learn about the Green Bay Packers and how good or how bad, how good this offense really is, how bad that defense is. Or maybe it's not as bad as we think it is. 2-0 is 2-0. And it's a hell of a start for the Packers. First eight games for this team are extremely tough. And I think if you escape, you already have two wins. You escape 6-2 after the first eight. You're sitting very, very pretty. It's the back end a little easier. And 2-0 to start the season, specifically 2-0 against the division... Can't complain about that at all. And Matt LaFleur continues to dominate against the division. Speaking of the divisional opponents, let's head over to our Week 2 headlines. Let's start with the Vikings, who dropped to 0-2, falling to the Colts on the road 28-11. Kirk Cousins, absolutely atrocious, and I love every second of it. Please pay this man some more money. Three interceptions. This team better figure it out and better figure it out soon. And if they don't, it is going to be a very long season for the Vikings. Defense does not look good. They lost a couple key players again last week. I feel like almost every team in the NFL lost a couple key players, and you'll hear that in the Week 2 headlines. But the Vikings look atrocious. The Bears, they improved to 2-0 somehow. Hold off the Giants. Late comeback, defeating them 17-13. Listen, the Bears are just a few plays away from being 0-2. 
don't drink the Bears Kool-Aid. And I'm not saying that as a Packers fan, but let's be honest. They had no business winning week one against the Lions, and they nearly blew this one to the Giants, who, by the way, lost Saquon Barkley to a torn ACL. He's out for the year. Despite being down 20 to nothing, yes, 20 to zero in the first quarter, Mike McCarthy and the Dallas Cowboys somehow, someway, earned their first win of the season in front of 20,000 fans. Yes, 20,000 fans. The biggest fan attendance so far this season. 40 to 39 over the Falcons. Kicked the game winning field goal as time expires. What a weird game. You would think by now the Falcons would know how to close out a game. But what the hell happened on that onside kick? The Falcons do understand that you could touch the ball before it goes 10 yards. You don't have to wait for it to go 10 yards before anyone could touch it. Now, if the NFL wanted to change onside kicks, that would be a hell of a rule. You cannot touch the ball, offense or defense, before it goes 10 yards. Because then you have a crapshoot right there. Ball goes 10 yards, everyone's diving. That's exciting. I think I just came up with a really good idea with the onside kick. But, if I'm Atlanta, I am firing that entire special teams unit. Come on! Atlanta could score points. They certainly could give up a lot, too. Kudos to Mike McCarthy. Congrats on win number one in Dallas. Another high-scoring affair. Titans take down the Jags 33-30. Ryan Tannehill... 18 for 24, 239 yards, four scores. The Josh Allen-led Bills, they beat the Dolphins 31-28. Allen, 417 yards, four scores. Continues to prove the doubters wrong. He's got a new weapon in Mr. Diggs as a wide receiver, and it's certainly helping in Buffalo. The San Francisco 49ers. This headline pains me. They annihilate the New York Jets, and that's not why I why I am upset. 31-13, but it comes with a big price. Already without George Kittle in this game, the 49ers lost Jimmy G, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Raheem Moster. All right, a handful of these guys out for the year. According according to the uh, the head football coach, not happy with the turf at MetLife Stadium. And they play again at MetLife Stadium this upcoming week against the New York Giants. But you hate to see a team that just played in the Super Bowl get decimated with injuries. And I think it's at the point now that there are so many key injuries that they don't recover. Okay, I don't think they could bounce back from this at all. I would be astonished if they do. And I just hope for their sake, for the rest of the league, that the injuries slow down. Week two was absolutely insane when it came to, when it comes to injuries. As for the Jets, they stink. And that's about all I have to say about the New York Jets. The LA Rams, they bully the Eagles 37-19. Jared Goff, three touchdowns. Looks like the Rams' offense is moving in the right direction. Getting back their mojo, what we were used to seeing when Sean McVay took over this team. Bad game for Carson Wentz, though. Two interceptions, no touchdowns. I think Eagles Nation is starting to panic a little bit. I think they're starting to get worried with Wentz. And let me tell you, this is a team that drafted Jalen Hurts pretty early in the NFL draft. Now, I'm not saying throw him in now, 
But if we're six, seven weeks into the season and Carson Wentz still looks like this, there's going to be a lot of fans knocking on that door. Doug Peterson, figure it out. You took a lot of bows after winning the Super Bowl. You got to figure this one out, big guy. Speaking of big guys, Big Ben and the Steelers, they improved to 2-0 with their 26-21 victory over the Broncos. Broncos lose a couple guys. Quarterback Drew Luck. Also, number one wide receiver, Corton Sutton. He's out for the year. Big Ben continues, though, to look really good after that elbow injury from last season. Bounce back performance for the Buccaneers, who were led this time by Leonard Fournette, one of the many running backs that they have in that back in that backfield, and their defense. Did a tremendous job taking care of the Panthers, 31-17. More injury news here. Panthers will be without Christian McCaffrey for four to six weeks. Another big blow. Who's going to stop Kyler Murray and the Cardinals? 30-15 win over the Washington football team. Man, Murray is so much fun to watch. And I'll be the first one to admit, I was very wrong about Kyler Murray. Didn't think he'd have a... A, a great NFL career. He gets DeAndre Hopkins in the offseason. It has certainly helped. But he could do it with his arm. He could do it with his legs. He is a fun player to watch on Sundays. The Chiefs, they needed overtime to hold off the L.A. Chargers. They escaped 23-20. I think the, the most impressive part of this game, the debut of Justin Herbert, the rookie quarterback for the L.A. Chargers, Throwing for over 300 yards and a score in his first start in the NFL. A little confused, though, because Anthony Lynn is pretty, pretty, pretty loyal to Tyrod Taylor, saying he is still our starter. Despite the rookie almost knocking off the defending Super Bowl champ, something doesn't add up here. Now, maybe this could be Anthony Lynn being loyal to the veteran. But it makes no sense. Justin Herbert could play. You, you saw that in, in in this week. You saw that in his effort against the Chiefs. Put him out there. Let him play. Tyrod Taylor is not your future. Justin Herbert is. I understand you want to respect the veteran. But you want to win football games too. The Ravens, they bully the Texans 33-16. They continue to prove why they are one of the best teams in the league. And for the Texans, I don't know what to say about the Texans. Are they really a bad football team? Or have they just played the two best teams in the league, basically? Right? Week one against the Chiefs. And then week two against the Ravens. The schedule makers were not very kind to the Houston Texans. Sunday night thriller. Which I thought was going to be the best game of the week. Ended up being the best game of the week. The Seahawks needed a goal line stand to beat the Patriots to stuff Cam Newton, and they did it 35-30. to Russell Wilson. This guy deserves to be in the MVP conversation. The way he's been playing, the offense looks great. Defense is giving up points, but Russell Wilson looks great. DK Metcalf looks awesome. And as for the Patriots, sad news for James White. Losing his father was inactive, um, not, did not play in that Sunday night game. But Belichick has created a system, a offense for Cam Newton that really works. And I'm excited to watch Cam Newton play on a week-to-week basis. I'm excited to see what this guy could do. He had a couple really great throws to Julian Edelman down the middle. Obviously, you saw him use his running ability. I don't think that's going anywhere. I think we could expect to see more of that. 
throughout the season. Bill Belichick knows what he's doing. Bill Belichick is motivated to prove to everyone that it was him and not Tom Brady in New England. And finally, we wrap things up with the Monday night game. The Las Vegas Raiders earned their first win at home, now 2-0. Their first win, though, in their brand-new stadium, 34-24, over the New Orleans Saints. Darren Waller, have yourself a day, young man. This tight end, really, what a phenomenal backstory. Had Had a tremendous game. The Saints had no answer for him. A lot of people were laughing at Mr. Gruden, Coach Gruden, and what he was doing in the draft and what he's been doing since he took over. Well, sitting at 2-0. He's got a big matchup next week against the Patriots. But so far, so good for the Las Vegas Raiders. And that will wrap up my Week 2 headlines. So that'll also wrap up this edition of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. But it's early in the week. And be on the lookout for a preview episode later in the week. Packers taking on the Saints. They tried to go 3-0. This is a game where we will learn about the Green Bay Packers. This is a game where we will learn how legit this offense is. This is a game where we will learn if we really need to be concerned about this defensive unit. And this is a game that will prove that the Packers belong in the conversation as one of the best teams in the NFC or one of the best teams in the National Football League. All right, so be on the lookout for that episode. Hopefully get a Saints guy on. If I can't, maybe a Packers guy. If I can't, I'll still have that preview episode, give you my keys to the matchup. And, of course, i got to give you my three picks of the week because 6-0 and is 6-0. and If you don't already, subscribe to the podcast. Check it out. Subscribe. Like it. Share it. Send it to your mother. Send it to your aunt, your uncle, your grandparents, whoever. Spread the love. Spread the word. Let them listen to the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Let them know you can listen on Apple, iTunes, podcasts, other podcast platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Amazon Music now has podcasts, and the Sharp Cheddar Podcast is on Amazon. So check that out there. As always, thank you all for listening. Another week in the books, another victory. Make sure you give me a follow on Twitter, at Joe Double Underscore. D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, Go Pack Go!